Well, hello, Gospel Chapel. It is Pastor Doug here, and welcome to Gospel Conversations, Episode 3. Today, I had a conversation with John Lusink, who is the Director of Mobilization for Avant Ministries. And he's going to just share with us a bit about his own life and journey, his journey with Jesus, their work uh, with Avant Ministries, a bit about his family. And then uh, the second half of the uh, interview, we're going to talk a lot about the Discovery Bible Study Method and what that looks like, how it's uh, effective, how uh, John has implemented that in his own life and in ministry, even just within his own neighborhood, but how that also worked very well for them uh, as they were missionaries and church planters in the Czech Republic. So uh, without giving away anything else on that, here is my conversation with John Lusick. <laughs> All right. Well, good afternoon, Gospel Chapel. It is Pastor Doug here. It is, uh, uh, I was going to say March, but it's not March at all. It's January 5th. And uh, I am here with John Lusink, one of our uh, supported missionaries. Uh, John is a director of mobilization with Avant Ministries. And just to give you a little bit of background on Avant, uh, Avant is an inter denominational multinational missionary sending organization that is focused on planting and developing churches in unreached areas of the world. Uh, And they've been doing this since 1890. Uh, So Avant defines unreached places where, uh, as those where there is less than 2% of the population is evangelical Christian. And at this time, uh, more than 2 billion people are still in need of hearing the gospel. So Avant's ministry is to train, send, and to serve missionaries in roughly 50 uh, countries globally right now. And so we're going to get to know um, John here a little bit before we dive into his ministry with Avant. And then we're going to, we're going to transition. We're going to talk a little bit about something that I've, I've, uh, put forward uh, a number of times over this two-year period, the Discovery Bible Study Method. John and his family have a lot of experience with that, and we'll hear about that and how that can work for us here as well. So uh, before we dive into your ministry, uh, John with Avant, let's get to know you a bit. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Where did you grow up, and when did you become a Jesus follower? Yeah, well... uh... My story began in uh, Ontario. Uh, That's where I was born. And shortly after I was born, my dad took on his first church uh, as a pastor. And so I grew up as a pastor's kid. And Mm -hmm. my journey to Jesus, uh, uh, like, kick-started when I was nine years old when my grandma died. And I realized, I'm going to die one day, too. (laughs) And so I I went to my dad and said, what do I need to do about this? Um, And he told me about Jesus and his plan. I called out and asked for for Jesus to restart my life and began following him then. And I could dive into the story a little bit more. But uh, Mm -hmm. the the biggest thing is he freed me uh, from the fear of death. Right. Uh, And so when I had surgery behind my ear when I was 17, I realized, hey, I'm going to go get to know Jesus uh, if I die, because the doctor said there's a 1% chance I might die in the surgery. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, okay, <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm sure I'm going to Jesus, but I'd like to get to know him before I die. So I began, uh, I committed, I'm going to begin reading your scriptures, Lord, and getting to know you, because I kind of just been an occasional Bible reader right. uh, up to the age of 17, um, such that when uh, 
when I, I got into um, Bible college uh, and seminary, uh, this, this is, I guess, bridging into my journey with Jesus, which is where you want me to go, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I uh, uh, graduated from seminary, uh, came into my uh, first pastoral position out here in Chilliwack, where we remained for 12 years. And at age 26, uh, again, uh, the, the beautiful preparation for uh, for pain and suffering, the Lord had been leading me through. That was the majority of the text that he was having me meditate on for those uh, nine years. Um, and, you know, memorizing, writing songs for teaching, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then at age 26, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And uh, so they, uh, they dove in. Uh, I now have a semicolon. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and God carried me through that in wonderful, wonderful ways, you know, like joyful tears of anticipation, mm-hmm. uh, like just peaceful anticipation going into that dark spot. Cause I already knew what it was like to go through, uh, uh, the, the surgery before from when I was 17. Um, and then, uh, and then later on, uh, it, as we went from being in, um, 12 years in, in, uh, in, in pastoral ministry in Chilliwack, youth and worship uh, uh, ministry. What, what church was I at? I started as Fellowship Baptist Church. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. I was with the Fellowship Baptist when I was in mission. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Over on Cherry Street? Uh, yep. yep. There you are. North Valley. Excellent. Yep. I, I'm heading over there to uh, talk to the new pastor about DBS and Zume stuff. Uh, oh, weeks. awesome. I, I, that's, uh, Isaac, Isaac Dagno. He was, uh, he was a student in my uh, classes and when I taught at Pacific Life Bible College, and it was a real joy to, uh, to hand off the ministry of North Valley to him when we, uh, took the call to come to Grand Forks. There you go, man. Small world stuff, right? And that's yeah. just this week. I just got the email like two days ago and I, I haven't met Isaac yet. So, all right. Well, say hi. Yeah, indeed, I shall. That's fun. <laughs> wow. Excellent. So, uh, so, so then, yeah, uh, out of here, uh, God asked us uh, to think about taking on more responsibility for his kingdom and asked us if we wouldn't think about becoming missionaries instead. Okay. Um, and uh, so then we headed out with Avant to lead their church planting team over to the Czech Republic, where we were for eight years. And mm-hmm. uh, ostensibly, the, the, uh, the, the, the surface reason was to go try to figure out how to plant a church there. Okay. God's core assignment for me was to learn about his power and ability above my own mm. and to learn about his ideas for church beyond my Canadian Baptist culture. Yeah. And so those things were solidly accomplished uh, while we were over over in Prague those eight years. Right. Additionally, uh, God gave me another opportunity. Uh, I had to get my thyroid out. You can see the scar here, maybe kind of not really on the on the screen. Okay. Uh, when I was over in Prague, and so oh, wow. another, uh, I'm going to heaven uh, piece by piece. Um, <laughs> and uh, another opportunity to be in the hospital to be praying for people and meeting with Czechs and. Right. And even just like a different vibe than the doctors and nurses are, are used to. Uh, yep. Because uh, if you're a, a Czech person who's an atheist, uh, they have a saying at New Year's, above all things health. Because if mm. you haven't got your health, what have you got in this life, especially if there's nothing beyond it? Right. The opportunity to speak with people about Christ in the hospital there was wonderful. And also another reminder to, to, to of myself that I'm a frail person groaning and waiting for my eternal uh, my eternal dwelling place while this tent uh, slowly falls apart. 
Yeah. Well, well, this is, this is kind of my, my next question was what are some of the defining moments in your journey and you're covering those for us. So that's, that's awesome. So eight years in the Czech Republic, what was, what was next? Well, uh, coming back from there, that, that was a difficult transition for me uh, because um, I, I hadn't realized how attached to significance I was in my, mm-hmm. my, my, my ego or, you know, my flesh desires. And so I had an opportunity, uh, I was being offered promotions uh, within Avant, um, and it felt so good. Uh, right. And my wife said, hey, I'm really quite uh, tired after these eight years, and our kids are moving into adult life. I think we need to go back to Canada. And to me, that was like death, uh, because mm. I had inherited this uh, erroneous view that missionary recruiters were like the garbage uh, leftovers of burned out ministry people you're you're, you're the has-been of ministry that's right what, yeah. what what do you do when you're worn out what do you do if you failed at the field you know you come back and now i know many wonderful recruiters who are wonderful amazing people uh in the crowning moments of their life but somehow that was in my brain that it was going to steal my sense of significance but uh right. the moment was god wrestling me to say no john go back and do this thing, um, take care of your family, and I will lead you to a spacious place. And I'll, I'll show you what it is I, I want you to do. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about your family a little bit. Um, I don't know much about them. Uh, where where uh, where did you and your wife meet? Where, where, how, how long have you guys been married? You got it. Well, uh, we met uh, in uh, my first year of Bible college, her, her second. Um, and a half years later, we were married in 1992, uh, which uh, I remind all my kids was a very young age, age <laughs> 20. And uh, although uh, our, our so our eldest son, he just got married at, at age 21, I believe. Um, okay. And uh, so that was uh, back uh, over over a good while over a year ago, back in June of the first round of COVID. Okay, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Years don't that. mean much right now, do they? <laughs> no, no. So th- that was the first wedding in a barn that I'd ever been to, where we could only have fifty people, and it was absolutely marvelous. Um, uh-huh. and the Lord has blessed them uh, with their first child. Uh, so uh, we have little Kinsley Ann is, uh, and we're grandparents. Awesome. Yeah, you guys were just in Edmonton just before the floods hit. Yeah, right? I, I I was up there. Okay, and my, and my family was trapped down here while I was trapped out of the Lower Mainland. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, cool. So um, you've been married for boy, that's twenty coming up to thirty this year. Coming up to 30, 30 years this year. Awesome. And how your kids? How how old are they? Yeah. So uh, Eric is uh, twenty three now. The eldest. Uh, he's the one married uh, to Danielle. And okay. then there's uh, Greg, who is in his uh, fourth year of kinesiology here at University of the Fraser Valley. And uh, he's enjoying uh, all that kind of stuff. He just marvels at God's design of the body. Mm. just thrives, yeah. thrives in learning and, and exploring that sort of thing. And, and then on Sunday, I get to be on his worship team at church, which is pretty fun. I'm doing uh, backup vocals and guitar for him. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, and then our, our next is Mallory, and uh, she's um, working through her teaching degree at UFE, taking a break this semester. Uh, she's really enjoyed camp ministry here locally and is enjoying spreading her wings. She's living up there at camp and working part time and, and okay. uh, studying and things. And then our youngest, uh, and she's, uh, uh-oh, did she just turn 19? 
and um, <laughs> I'm getting all the ages right. <laughs> and then they change every year. It's hard to keep track of. Yeah, I know. It's rough. <laughs> uh, and our 14 year old is downstairs uh, right now, uh, w- waiting for school to start up here again. Right. Uh, heading off to tennis lessons, and uh, she's um, an aspiring author. She's written a short story for a Canadian competition, and uh, quite a quite an artist. And she even made these for me for for Christmas. So, oh, nice! Yeah, uh, she like carved these things, and it's, uh, anyway, it's kind of fun. Uh, they're not actual functional things. They're okay. <laughs> awesome. When, what, one more thing, like oh, okay. so she made this thing. Like, oh, wow. It's like a dinosaur out of clay, and it's, it's pretty cool. So there's a little bit nice. about my kids. Right on. Awesome. Okay, uh, so you've been connected to Gospel Chapel for, for quite a while here. How, how, uh, how did that connection come about? How long have we been supporting uh, you as a, as a missionary family? And, uh, yeah, what's, what's your connection here? How did, how did we get to know you? Well, I think it was kind of random. Um, I think it was it was in about 2007, 2008, uh, that the church was looking to support new missionaries. And um, they're looking for missionaries that they could support who could also come to visit. Right. And so I think, if I understand well, they reached out to Avant and just said, is anybody going out soon that lives in our area that would be willing to connect? Uh, they said, yeah, yeah, we got the Lusinks, um, and you're on the road to where my parents used to live in Creston. Um, okay. And uh, so it was easy to say yes. If there's a church that's interested in supporting, yes, we'll come. <laughs> well, of course. That's right. <laughs> Whoever turns that down. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, and then so we came out, and our first our first visit was uh, was very fun because uh, years and years ago, when I was a youth pastor, um, the nephew of uh, Corny and Aggie Pauls had taken us out to their ranch where we stayed in a cabin and had uh, one of the the, the most memorable. Uh, youth retreats that we'd ever we'd ever experienced in our youth group and so we got to stay with corny and aggie just across the road at the church and so there's that beginning of uh familiar uh relational connection there that way okay yeah going back to 2008 okay awesome that's great well uh how, how about you tell us a bit about your uh well you've already talked about your your call to ministry and how god led that um, how, how did you end up serving with Avant? Um, you know, there's, there's lots of missions organizations out there. You felt God calling you into ministry. How did it land with Avant? Yeah. Hey, I wonder if maybe this could explain it the best. So this is something I've made up now. Can you see that at all? Uh, yep. Okay. Why so Avant? Yeah. The why Avant. So, uh, this is what I tell other people about what attracted me to Avant so that it maybe would connect them. And it's the idea of what you've already explained, where 40% of the world is unreached. Okay. So, hey, let's go there as a mission agency. And then the next layer of, of in, interest to me was this, that they're interested in planting churches. Okay. Uh, there's different ways to go about planting churches, but that new communities of faith is what we're shooting for. Right. And I saw that different agencies had focus that was quite diversified, but this mm-hmm. was very focused. They also said, uh, hey, this is our atmosphere of faith, and we're going to live this out. And this is what God was challenging me to learn, because uh, I, I would proclaim the power of the gospel to people, right? Uh, but I would trust my ability to organize events for my youth group. Right. I would trust in John's ability to collect people for vacation Bible school and pull off big events. And mm. I pretty much figured that uh, prayer was somebody else's job. 
And therefore, I, I was getting this whole atmosphere of faith wrong. And Avant was saying, mm. you go to the mission field, to the bleeding edge, you're going to need to engage in the primacy of prayer, trust God's ability, his ability to organize lucky coincidences. Mm. And, and you just got to get people in touch with the power of the gospel and let it do its work. And then the last or the last two things that really kicked it over for me um, was, well, one is this idea of going out as teams. Okay. And trusting in some pretty cool principles of how we're going to work, that they're kind of flexible. Right. And also, the last thing, this is maybe more than you wanted, uh, but uh, <laughs> they, they gave, uh, uh, this is really super hard for you to see, so you, people can ask yeah. about this. Okay. How do you know you've actually started a church, that a group has become a church? Right. And how do you know a little baby church has actually become healthy and it's ready to be independent? And that they actually had, like, metrics like to measure, are we close? Do we know we're there? And that they're based on biblical characteristics. Uh, that gave me a lot of confidence of the focus of if I'm going as a second career person, going out of a pastor job, I, I'm not just going to be flying by the seat of my pants. They've got some principles that are guiding me and right. I really value those. So that that's me. Right. That's that's awesome. I mean, and and I guess with like starting in the 1890s, they've they've got some experience in this game. <laughs> That's right. oh, yeah. This is, yeah. So this is, this is some tried and true and proven, uh, you know, this is, this is how we as a church need to function. This is what the marks of a healthy church and, uh, and how to, uh, establish those and grow them. So that's, that is awesome. Um, and so you've been with them since when was that again? 2007, we were appointed. 2007. So, so uh, a good long time. And uh, what you've served overseas in the Czech Republic yeah. and now you're director of mobilization. Was there any in between there? Like you started with them with the Czech Republic and, and now you're doing this, this yeah. job. Uh, any other things that happened along the way? No, no, it, it's uh, everything flows in a kind of continuous line, just like you've described. Okay. Okay. And so what, what is this position you're doing now? Director of mobilization. You're, you're now the recruiter getting people to go overseas. Is that basically it? It's finding the next generation of missionaries to go out among the least reached. Right. And so sometimes you may call it like being the head talent scout. Yeah. Finding, you know, who might be ready next. Um, Mm -hmm. And and, then also making people aware of it. Okay. Uh, so it, it's not just a, it's not just a car salesman who waits for people to come to the lot. It's actually people who go out and promote the idea that cars are a good thing, right? Uh, or that <clears throat> is an actual need, mm-hmm. and that it's on God's heart, right? How have you seen that develop and change, even over like like how, how long have you been director of mobilization, and have you seen? A, a trend is—is is it more difficult now than ten years ago? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, very much so. Um, I, 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 I to harken back to the car salesman in the old days, you were just a car salesman on a lot, and you could show up at a car salesman conference, and people are like. Yeah, I want a Toyota. No, no, no. I want a Mazda. No, I'm really a Ford guy, uh, and or or whatever. And they just go around and select their brand. People were lining right. up in the old days. Yeah. Now people don't even know if they want a car. Yeah. Um, 
all, all the Bible colleges, if you go back in time, they were all founded on this thing of we're equipping people to go into ministry and go on mission. Yeah. And how many of them are still on that track? Yeah. Very, very few, right? They've had to diversify because students don't necess- aren't necessarily looking to go into ministry or on the mission field anymore. And then there's also some other really big, astounding shifts. Um, like, uh, like it used to be that there was this integral, like everywhere there was a, a, an interest in missions that church churches were born with this idea of missions and that they're raising up the next generation. So it almost could be like a harvesting to right. just to go around and harvest. But um like in the last number of decades, uh, like the, the thinking within a lot of churches has shifted to being small K kingdoms mm. rather than God's big K kingdom. Right. And so it's almost become a competition between churches and mission sending agencies. And then churches saying, we're the church and, and you're those parachurch guys that are stealing our best people and our resources, our money. And right. So there was also this weird trend that way. And then probably the worst trend is that, like you may know, uh, I've shared this in other spaces, but uh, it's, the church in North America has been in decline since 1927. Yeah. Uh, the growth rate of, of churches has, the growth rate by conversion, by people coming to Christ, hasn't exceeded the death rates in churches since 1927. And at present, um, we, we've gone since 96 from... 12% of the population in 2015 to 9% of the population being evangelical. And in 2020, we were at um, a 6% of the population. So you see that decline. Right. And estimates are right now, COVID is killing the North American church that what would have taken five years is likely going to happen in one. Yeah. And so this is the biggest change. Uh, not only are we not finding as many fish in the river to go fishing for new missionaries. Mm-hmm the river is becoming a pond. Yeah. And so uh, there's, there's, there's a need for a huge revolution in how we approach recruiting as a collective of churches and mission agencies. Yeah. yeah like I've, <clears throat> I, I've been hearing too, that, that places like um, Korea are, are now the second largest uh, sending country in the world uh, next to the United States. And and the reality is, is that North America is going to need to be a receiving, uh, receiving, uh, mis- receiving of missionaries instead of sending because the decline is happening so rapidly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, a, we've identified it, calling it. There's a disciple making crisis in Canada, and yes, the big shift is we need to be a part of reversing that, or else we're all in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what, what are some of your current projects then? I mean, this is the last two years have been a gong show. Um, how have you been functioning in this mess? Uh, how, like, like this is, how do you send people out when borders are closed and, and what's, what, what do you do with this at this point? And then what's on the horizon for this year? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one of the fun changes, um, so I, I like a storm. Um, and I kind of get excited uh, when, when things go kablooey because it's often then that it's sort of like you pull back the stove from the wall and you see how much junk collected over the years. Yeah. Um, and 
like sensing there's been a need for change, but people don't change is painful. Absolutely. And until there's a greater pain approaching, people aren't necessarily willing to make the change. Yeah. Which is what my son in kinesiology always tells me about why I need to obey his fitness plans for my life rather than waiting for a diagnosis. (laughs) (laughs) To his 50 year old dad. Right. Um, And I should listen to my son. So (laughs) as we know, it's hard unless you're motivated. So, so COVID has provided a motivation. Okay. Here's here's one big change that has been delightful uh, in the last year before COVID God was already stirring in the hearts of, um, of multiple mission agencies, realizing that there was a dwindling interest in evangelism and disciple making and church planting among unreached people groups. Mm. Uh, the, the hot topics were, were nice topics, uh, like you know, social justice and things like that, important things that the church needs to do, but people were trending towards that, which is like if you go back to this diagram, uh, right. You know how many missionaries of, of the 400,000 missionaries deployed in the world, how many of them go to this 40%? Mm. 3% of all missionaries go to the unreached. Wow. 97% of the missionaries we send out in the world go to Christianized countries or people who have access to the gospel. Mm. So we're saying, hey, we need to draw attention to this. And so let's let's cooperate with one another. Because usually, sometimes we're seen as competitors. Yeah. Um, as different mission agencies all trying to pluck uh, the same fruit from the the same sparse tree, and <laughs> and recognizing as well, hey, the pond, the rivers become a pond. The fish are dying. We need to help help engage this. So we we help start something called the Great Commission Co-op. And right now we're twenty one different mission agencies that are collaborating mm-hmm. uh, to raise awareness of the unreached people groups to be able to send out uh, beautiful feet to make disciples among the unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. And that that part those partnerships were forming like the deep trust and the and and the sense of being willing to do risky steps of faith together was growing just as COVID hit, and so we collaborated and said, uh, "Hey, we can put on uh, um, online workshops for colleges and churches." Mm. And, and this has really been growing the sense of big K kingdom rather than right. little K kingdom stuff of competing mission agencies. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's been really, really cool and a big revolution. Um, mm-hmm. And then the perhaps the the biggest one. It's been in the works for about a year and a half, but it's finally finally come into into fruition. And um, and that would be uh, me being able to engage in a a, a, a recruitment revolution. So mm-hmm. it, it it's asking that that question. Hey, if no one's lining up at the car lot anymore. We need to go back to why do we need cars, right? And and go back to the basics. And so what we noticed over these over these five and a half years that I've been here, and, and this was true even before this, we're the scariest mission there is. Because <laughs> <laughs> we say, okay, do you want to go among the least reached people groups? So scary right. place, hard yeah. place. Yeah. And then we use the word, do you want to do church planting? And everybody freaks out in their mind because they're thinking about the gung-ho pastor and his and his wife that's going to need to support all this, setting up chairs in a gym and a sandwich yep. board on the sidewalk. And they just think in their mind, I could never plant churches. Mm. Um, and, and then so we kind of need to step it down. Well, would you like to join a team that would right. be making disciples that create communities of faith? 
And they go, well, I'd like to make disciples, but I've never been discipled. Right. And then the next question is then, well, would you like to be discipled? Yeah. Become a disciple maker. Mm -hmm. And so what we're inviting people into is that question, would you like to learn how to make a disciple Mm -hmm. in your hometown where you live now? Right. In a way that's COVID proof. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's provided this great mind-blowing thing. If we can't gather all together, how do we make disciples? We're going to need to learn how to do it smaller, which means more of us need to know how to do it. Right. Absolutely. We're inviting people into that. Do you want to learn how to make disciples? Uh, Those uh, generally the experience is when you invite people to learn how to make disciples, only about 10% of the people who go through the training actually want to count the cost. Right. (laughs) Of what it makes, what it costs to make disciples. Mm-hmm. But we would invite those people, if they're beginning to see fruit and they're faithful in, in, in the costly and immediate obedience that's involved in making disciples, to invite them into a space that has seen up to four generations of disciples and right. churches multiplying, mm-hmm. and then invite them to take that learning and deploy among a diaspora community, which is, uh, you know, the diaspora is the spreading of people around the world. Uh, so, like, um, immigrants and refugees from other countries. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, they could go and begin to do a uh, start discovery Bible studies among Muslim immigrants in the Vancouver area to be coached by people who are a few years ahead of them, learn to set up uh, a, like a simple church network mm-hmm. uh, among those people. And then from those folks say, okay, you learned how to do it here in Canada. You've seen what it looks like to multiple generations of disciples in simple churches. You've experienced it. Are you ready to go to another place to do this? Right. So that we're not just making this huge leap from I've never been discipled to do you want to plant churches? Yeah. In, 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 in another part of the world where you don't even know the culture. Yeah. Uh, and let's let's work on discipleship here where you kind of got your own cultural things that you can you can still navigate uh, bring the barriers down, but raise the bar at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the joy of this is, is, uh, as I've been traveling these, this last five and a half years is finding out how many, uh, pastors and churches and individuals are hungry for this. Yeah. And especially now awakened in COVID, then we got to figure this out. Um, and so if I get a chance to, to help and assist and catalyze those things, and, and that's the relationship that we have, like right. all around the country, uh, and a whole network of supporting that is happening. Then uh, I think all us mission agencies are going to find there's a lot more fruit to harvest uh, for the cornfield because God's going to be waking people up, saying, "Just hey, where do you want me to go next, God? Right. Where are the empty spaces on the map that we need to fill in." Yeah, that that is awesome. I think that's a good transition here for us too to to hit on this. Uh, uh, um, uh, second topic, um, and and that is the discovery Bible study method. Uh, now I've poked at this a, a few times over the past two years. Uh, cr- created kind of a a one page. Here here it is. You know, for our community groups uh, that kind of just walks you through that whole thing. Um, but I mean, providing that for people and actually implementing it is two different things. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, what I I'd like to hear you, you and your family, uh, I think, uh, when we met for lunch, what was that? Was that last summer or was that 2020? I think I was driving through in June. 
It, it, it was in June, just this last year, because uh, we we met at the uh, the station. The station pub was open again. Uh, so we had lunch together there and we talked a little bit about this then. And, and you mentioned at that point that it was really something that you and your family um, needed and used while you were uh, overseas. And uh, and that's something that the your, your kids still use. Uh, so, so, so why don't you just uh, tell us a bit about how you came to use discovery Bible study method, where you found it and how you, uh, implemented that just in, in your own walk. And then we'll talk about how do we, how do we implement this as a church ministry tool for discipleship? Sure. Sure. Well, the, uh, uh, the way it started, the space that was created that made me receptive for it was Avant's principles for church planting. Okay. Uh, which said, we don't need the forms of how we do church in North America, where you say, hey, you need a building, you need uh, programs, you need a staff, and you need a budget, and therefore you have a church. Uh, they said, no, the basics of a church is, uh, so I'll read this off here to make sure I don't get it mixed up there. An essential, like the, a basic church means you've got three or more believers gathered together, mm-hmm. the first thing, who, are, who are meeting at least once a month, but are meeting regularly who recognize they are the body of Christ to one another and are organizing themselves to do God's will. And if you at least connect those dots, you've got the beginning of a church. And then there's, we have, we define 13 other biblical characteristics to measure health, Right. but they're biblical character qualities, not forms and structures. Wow. So, so that helped that cleared the space. Right. Then, uh, we arrived with Prague with all sorts of amazing North American ideas of how to plant churches. <laughs> How'd that go? Well, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, this is how it went. My, my, our boss said, our director said, why don't you spend like a year, year and a half researching and praying and see if those are good ideas? <laughs> and, and so, uh, so uh, and just as a note, everything big we imagined, because North America, we, we tend to think big gathering, big, big, you know, right. yep. center stage, all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> everything we thought of, it turns out, it, because we started interviewing people in the Czech Republic, uh, I think mm-hmm. we interviewed about 90 people in depth, about 60 of them were non-believers, 20 of them were Czech Christian leaders, and 10 of them were, were missionaries there saying, hey, if we want to plant a church here that Czechs would want to make more of after we leave, what advice would you give us? And we began collecting this understanding of Czech culture, and especially when the Czech Christian leaders said, the best thing that you can do is what we're doing right now. You're the first missionaries that have arrived and have asked us for advice, hmm. which blew our mind. Right. Like, Why? Well, I mean, maybe we, because of the warning we got from our director that <laughs> said, be humble, uh, that helped yep. us. But out of that, we designed some experiments to try to figure out how do we share the gospel here? Um, how do we help people come to Christ? Mm-hmm. And after two and a half years, like a year and a half, we we learned, studied, got to know people, asked questions, a year of experimentation, and everything had failed. Every idea had failed. Um, we have one joke that we we designed this bus, and then we thought, well, we need to make sure that the checks feel like they're driving. And then right. so we went to the back of the bus to visit with the checks, metaphorically speaking, <laughs> and our experiment crashed because no one was actually driving the bus. Um, right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, a whole whole bunch of experiments failed, 
And then uh, we, we got accustomed to, remember that piece where I said uh, we, we need to engage in uh, the primacy of prayer, hey? Right. Yep. So I, our team had learned to love each other, to get along with each other in unity, and we learned to pray more than we ever had in our lives. And we, we, we devoted a week of prayer and fasting from ministry to say, Lord, what's next? We mm. got together on Friday afternoon, and we're like, hey, so Lord gave you anything? We're like, I, I didn't get anything, just a great peaceful time with the Lord. And then we got a call, I believe, in that meeting saying, do you want to come to the Eastlands? There's a missionary trying something new, and there's some other folks that are doing some really interesting stuff. Mm. So the next day, we're on a car ride driving four hours all the way across the country. Can you imagine four hours to get across the country? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we get in the other side of things. I know that's just a short trip for you all, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's not even um, here to the coast. I know. <laughs> So we go over to the East and we meet this missionary and he describes to us for the first time Discovery Bible Study and how it's multiplying. And we listened and every failure just went, oh, that's why it hasn't been working because of all these other weird presuppositions. We just like, this is crafted for Czech culture. Mm. This is going to be amazing. Then we went to the next town to visit this other group of people and they'd already been working at, because they planted three churches that it all become mule churches, meaning like they planted it and then it wouldn't multiply because okay. they just got used to coming to Sunday morning theater right. and sitting there while the performance was going on. Yeah. So the, how do we do house churches that live together in network that keep reaching out to their neighbors? And so uh, they they became and are still our partners with Avant um, for, for future teams that go there of, of learning how to start discovery Bible studies that become simple house churches that live together in a network, an organic network um, expanding there. So, mm -hmm. then, so yeah, we, we, we began experimenting with that in Prague. Uh, we tweaked a few things, which I can, I can tell you a little bit about later. Um, sure. and it turns out that if you tweak too many things in a discovery Bible study, it's sort of like tweaking a, uh, uh, a four by four, <laughs> And saying, you know, I think we can get away without these two tires. It'll become a motorcycle, right? Great. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. So we tweaked enough things out of our own arrogance and North American orientation to doing ministry mm. that we also created a mule church out of our what was a, a, a potential to multiply. Uh, but, but as a result, uh, it, it struggled because of our our hubris, our, our, our interference with things. So, so mm. I, I bring that now as a warning, um, right. but, uh, but the core idea is still marvelous and sees great fruit. So that's how I came across it. Again, that's, I hope that wasn't right. I actually truncated that to three quarters of what I would normally say. <laughs> quarter what I would normally say. Yeah. Well, well, what, once you guys got into doing discovery Bible study method, um, how did you find that even just for yourself as a follower of Jesus? What, what were the benefits for, for you personally and then for your family? Oh, well, like for me, okay, here I am. I'm a, a Bible college seminary trained person, right? Yeah. Sitting down with brand new Czech believers. And we would come across stuff because it, it's the idea of having a discussion and letting everybody discover what's really there in the text. Right. And I don't have to lead it. I'm just facilitating the, the, the discovery. And we have that control where we, we say, hey, uh, where do you see that in this text? Um, so that people just can't come up with things willy nilly out of, out of thin air. 
Yeah. But we would see Czechs teaching us stuff. Mm. Like, I remember I, I'm preparing a message about persecution and suffering, and it will open with this introduction about how we're, we regularly found with new believers, we'd be reading the Bible together, and they'd say, hey, I see here in the text that it says that Christians should expect suffering and persecution. And we'd be like, mm. What? what? <laughs> and we'd look and it's like oh wow it's there in the text and realize that in north america i've been trained persecution and suffering is not my lot right I've got a great healthcare system uh nothing can touch my body uh i at the pursuit of life liberty and 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 and, and, and happiness that yep. those are my rights right but when, when they've grown up under communism and nazism and before that, the oppression of uh, of the the Catholic Empire and and uh, and and um, Austro-Hungarian Empire over them, right? They've like four hundred years of suffering and persecution, right? They know it's it can happen to humans, and they see it there in the text, and there it really is. So that, that's that's long hmm. short is we could teach each other, right? And even when I'm doing it on the street here with a uh, a baker and a retired postman. Mm-hmm. They're young believers, but they're showing me stuff in the Bible. And right. we usually encourage one another. And yeah, so it, it, it's, that, it's, weird. it's weird to realize that as a, a seminary trained pastor person that I can learn from new believers right. as we're studying together. That's one yeah. thing. Well, yeah, so sometimes you need the, the, the fresh eyes that you just no longer have, right? Yeah. Uh, to to see beyond what whatever interpretive grid you've grown accustomed to reading the text through, right? And that's one of the things I, I when I was uh, teaching Bible college too, I said, you know, we we all wear glasses when we come to the text. You know, where you were born, the culture you grew up in, the language you're speaking, uh, it all affects how we interpret the text and. So, so having a situation where you've got people that have grown up differently, that have a totally different experience with God, you may, you know, uh, like you said, new believers, not because every church we attend adds to our lenses, you know, the theological grids that we grow up with or, or whatever, uh, affect how, how we interpret. So, um, discovery together, I guess also, coheres very well with what Jesus talked about, you know, I'm going to send the spirit and he will lead and guide you into all truth. Um, and so it's, it's also trusting God's God's working in these new believers just as much as me, uh, maybe more so because <laughs> I think I have the answers for you. Um, and they're just, they're discovering it for the first time or reading that text for the first time. And they may pick up something that we just have always missed. Yeah. And 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 the beautiful thing is that that you're 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 giving people a hermeneutic. They don't even know what the word means. Right. A, a method of interpreting the Bible accurately, such that like when when McCall was was getting a hang hang of this just through our studies together. Um, this this is funny. We didn't tell him for years that this wasn't normal, but uh, an accompaniment to Discovery Bible Study that you do in groups is a, a life transformation group where there's like a, a pair or a trio that are doing accountability. Okay. And so, because people need to be learning to read the Bible on their own, to be self-feeding on their own. 
So, yes. so, so we told them, uh, hey, so, you know, it'd be really good now that you're a new believer to read five to seven chapters of the Bible every day and figure out what the Lord's asking you to put off or put on, like the off the old, on with the new. Mm. And then who do you share this with? And we'd meet together for a half hour, 45 minutes, somewhere along in the, in the middle of the week and do this. And so because they're new believers with no clue that this isn't normal. <laughs> right. Uh, they're like, they're like reading through the Bible, five, to seven chapters. And then they realize, cause we got them a Bible, the first Bible with footnotes and like links and references of where things happen in the Bible. Uh, the first one ever to be put out in the Czech language came uh, uh, just a, a few years into when we were being there. Um, and so they began Bible surfing. They're like, this is like going on the internet and clicking links and going and going. Cause they're like, Hey, I need to learn about what's that talking about. Oh, that was talking about David. And they go back to David. And they're like, wow, I need to understand that. And then they're discovering all these things. And, right. um, and so w- one moment, McCall did this surfing and he realized I need to tithe. Okay. I want to get mm. 20% of my income. Mm. All right. God told you so. I'll let you do that, McCall. And then he reads more and he realizes I need to make sure I'm not giving a blemished lamb to God. Mm. In the Czech Republic, 50% of our income, it comes as black money under the table. So the company doesn't have to pay taxes and we don't pay taxes. Oh. And that feels like a blemished lamb. He says, I think I need to go to my employer and tell him I need all of my income on the, on top of the table. And sitting there going, I'm just like, wow. McCall, you understand your culture and what that means. Pray and ask the Lord. And so the Lord said, yes. Mm-hmm. He went in to go talk to his boss. His boss was there to resist him with the chief financial officer. Their jaws dropped when McCall told him exactly what I just shared to you. He says, this is why I'm giving my money to the Lord. I need it all to be clean. we'll have to pay taxes on that part too. And McCall says, I'll pay your portion of the taxes if you're not able to do that. And then their minds were blown further. Then they're so convicted. (laughs) In the end, they doubled McCall's income in order to work this out for him. So he'd still be going home with the same take-home pay. And then he was able to expand his Christian witness at work. And and all of that was from this idea of you're teaching people to to a, a simple hermeneutic of how to understand the Bible and right. apply it to their life courageously, immediately, and in costly ways. So yeah, the, the, awesome. that's, that's how we saw it happening with them, and then then in our mm-hmm. family as well. Them learning, our kids learning at age eleven or twelve, they can facilitate a Bible discussion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <sighs> Um, I mean, we, we have, of course, you know, the, the North American church has had small group ministries and small group Bible studies for years and years and years. How, how is this different? What makes it stand out for you? Um, probably, probably like one difference is um, some studies or, or small groups uh, focus, focus on one piece mm-hmm. or another. Like may focus just on care. Well, DBS makes sure that the care element is happening. Um, some groups just focus on Bible knowledge acquisition. Well, right. DBS includes that. And the rarest thing that I experienced, at least doing Bible studies, is most of it because it was built either on the care element or the Bible knowledge acquisition element. Hmm. We didn't get to the, the obey part. How are we going to spur right. one another on towards love and good deeds? Yeah. And um, that's usually the first place that this falls apart mm-hmm. uh, is people aren't used to obeying the Bible or being asked like to spur one another on 
to experience the joy of obedience that Jesus calls to really be his brothers, mothers, and sisters, as Jesus says, who do mm. what God commands. And that idea is usually really foreign and right. really hard for people to get over. Um, uh, but persist three to six months persisting. Mm-hmm. And if the facilitator is transparent, because that's another big thing. We're having to be transparent right. with what the Holy Spirit's telling us. Yep. Um seeing that kick over in one of the groups that I led here um, in our church, as they got used to that, to see the transformations and then the beautiful bonding that happens when you're transparent because you're mm-hmm. helping another obey mm-hmm. the next big level. And it follows in this order. If people aren't obeying the scriptures, they're most likely not going to share it with other people because internally mm-hmm. they know they're a hypocrite. They haven't tasted the joy of obedience that Jesus promised Mm. Once they experience the joy of obedience, it becomes fun to share, even though it's terrifying and risky. Right. But that's the other piece is it it says it builds a three-legged stool of you need to know what Jesus commanded, you need to obey what he's commanded, and then you need to share it with other people. So it, it's it's a three-legged right. stool rather than a monopod. Yeah. Cool. So um let, let, let's say three three guys are getting together to go through this. How formal? Um, how formal is is a dis, as a discovery group, uh, and how how much of it is just kind of laid back? What, what does it look like as far as just the the relational aspect? I mean, you get together, maybe go through these questions. Like I've got this kind of cheat sheet um, that kind of goes through, you know, uh, talking. You know, what are you thankful for today? Looking back, what did we learn from last week? Um, who did you tell? What was the response? Uh, reading and retelling the passage, reading and looking, uh, rereading and looking again. What is the passage saying? And then the inside me part. Uh, what am I doing well? What do I need to change? And what do I need to do this week? And then who else needs to hear this? Like, I imagine. You know, in a group, say three guys sitting down for coffee, that that could take you an hour or two. <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, like, like I do it with uh, uh, two guys on my street. Uh, okay. One is a friend. Our kids went to kindergarten together. Our eldest uh, went to kindergarten together. And uh, and and when his bakery job changed, we started getting together to read the Bible like this. Hmm. and um he's uh he's a black belt in karate and if you know karate you hmm. learn basics and you practice the basic moves right so you can just do them and as you move up in your belts you begin teaching the lower ranks right okay and so uh so rick uh quickly got the hang of it because it's pretty basic this is the rhythm right to use another metaphor uh you know you got your plate fork knife spoon cup plate fork knife spoon cup but different stuff to eat every meal right 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 but you set the table the same exactly you set the table <laughs> the same so so that because the rhythm is the same it's your process and each one of those points builds in the dna of a disciple mm. we learn to give thanks to god we call out to him with our needs we meet the needs of others on the street um and, and it just becomes kind of like a rhythm in there mm. we have to remind ourselves and we have to make sure we don't skip it because to change another metaphor, uh, if you start 
modifying the Discovery Bible study process too much. Like you say, hey, we really don't need that tire. We don't need mm. to talk about whether you obeyed the text from last time. Right. You just took a tire off your four by four. Yeah. Um, so so we make sure it's the same. Uh, it depends how chatty we are or how high and low our weeks were, like our, our things mm-hmm. and things. We we generally go about an hour and a half. There's the three of okay. us. We can fit it into an hour. And um, uh, and and when in COVID, when we couldn't meet inside, when it was raining and we were under umbrellas on the front lawn, mm-hmm. to which all the neighbors became <laughs> like, familiar to the strange sight of three guys sitting together on a lawn and with umbrellas. Uh, what are these guys doing? <laughs> oh, we're studying the Bible together. You're weird. Okay. All right. Want to join us? (laughs) And then when we weren't allowed to sit on the lawns, we decided to do a walking Bible study and we just walk up and down the street praying for the needs of the street. And, uh, and then we were praying for one guy and his wheelchair broke down in front of our house. And then we got a chance to connect with him in a meaningful way. And, and yeah, special stuff. Um, Well, what was your question? Now we meandered again, Doug, right? Uh, Oh yeah. What, what, well, yeah. What, what, what is it? What is a typical? You know, you know, when you get together to meet, it, it looks like going through these questions, making sure you're keeping the order, uh, you're caring for one another, you're praying for one another, you're looking at what the Bible's saying, you're identifying action steps that you need to take in your life, and you're being held accountable to those with this with this small group. So, uh, uh, that's the kind of commitment we're looking for for participants. You know, is I, I think one of the challenges people have uh, sometimes with this is, well, who's leading it, you know, or, or is this, we're just participating in this together. You, you still need kind of a point person, right. That, that kind of kicks things off, keeps things on track, but, but what does that kind of look like? What kind of commitment are we asking for participants and leaders in this? And, and this is where it's really fun is um, uh, like, as like uh, I'm used to almost preparing a sermon. Like it used to be Bible study was the time you do this talk, right? Yeah. Or you design this clever um, contraption of questions to lead people towards a predetermined end. Right. Mm. And uh, what a lot of, a lot of folks are recognizing is that this lets you trust the power of the gospel, Mm. the power of the scriptures the the direction of the Holy Spirit, and as long as we keep to the principles in here, which are based on biblical principles of, mm-hmm. of working through, and even just slowing down to read the text, it's amazing how uh, as long as I know what text we're going to study, maybe we're working our way through a book, maybe we've got a theme or topics that we're working through and studying certain scriptures, but it just kind of directs itself. And th- the only thing I would add to this is uh, we use an acronym called MAL, M. A W L and like teaching a kid to ride a bike. So you model for the kid on the bike just a little bit. Mm. So they don't get bored. And then you assist them for a longer while with the hockey stick in the back and or running along with your hand behind it. You assist them until they get the hang of it. Mm -hmm. And you can watch them uh, and you're still coaching them and seeing it happen. And then eventually you can launch them on their own to do it on their own once they've really got the hang of it. Yeah. And so the idea with, with if there's someone that is familiar with how to facilitate to make sure like, you know, there's a little bit of timing, there's a little bit of social sensitivity. And, you, you know, you might ask the question in a slightly different way or just give people time to think. 
So if you if there's someone that can model that for mm-hmm. two weeks, within four weeks, you should be ready to pass off facilitation to another person who can then pass it off to another person and you hold each other accountable to run through the, the pieces and make sure you don't need, miss mm-hmm. the, the, the steps and the questions that are involved. Okay. And, and within a within six months or a year, you may find that you're all have really gotten the hang of it and you've been sharing what you've been discovering with your neighbors that you're able to go take a step outside and help somebody else start mm-hmm. every Bible study. Yeah. Awesome. What's, what's a good starting point? Like, like if, um, if say three guys are going to start getting together and they're just brand new to this, all they've got is my piece of paper with questions on it. Um, like the, the first blank I have here is what passage are we studying for this week? or, or Bible readings, what's, what, what, what would you recommend as a good starting point? That's a good question. Um, so it would depend on like what type of group it is mm-hmm. and, and where, where you're at and, and what their, their hunger is. So for mm-hmm. example, if it's with brand new believers or, mm-hmm. or non-believers, uh, the creation to Christ series, it's on the website. Okay. Um, is a great space to, to start. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it gives you the the skeleton outline of of the, the story of the scriptures, so it gives you places to hang things on. Cool. Um, and then there's some other studies on their suggested passages, like uh, uh, the, uh, the Hope series. Um, in there of passages about hope. There's ones about the miracles of Jesus, um, drawing people to Jesus. Uh, for us on our street, we've been working our way through the Book of John. Okay. Yep. And, we just find the bite-sized passage that we can handle. Mm-hmm. We've kind of caught the rhythm for what that is. So we just basically show up, Hey, where are we at in John today? Okay. And we did this also in church where we just, as our, as our pastor was speaking through Philippians or acts or mm. or whatever it was um, that we just mirrored whatever they'd done that morning. Um, okay. So do you have like uh, things that you're going to read or journal during the week between meetings or, or is this just getting together, reading it, exploring it, and then trying to live it out during the week? Yeah. Yeah. The their homework. Yeah. For, for, for believers, uh, I like I, the, the one piece that's important is that as you come out of your discovery Bible study, when you make your commitments at the end, um, like, uh, We've added in three minutes of silent prayer before we mm. share what it, what our I will statements are. Mm-hmm. I will do this or who I will share with this so that we can be listening to the Holy Spirit um, in that moment and be quiet before him. Right. Uh, to remember those things, to write those things down so that we can hold mm. each other accountable. Uh, right. That's really important. Yeah. And then the supporting piece that, um, like in countries where this is really taking off, uh, like I mentioned with uh, with our, guy, our our folks over there in Prague, mm-hmm. that add on piece of um, uh, I don't where's the um, I, the the daily Bible reading on your own. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I this is coming in the mail as of yesterday, but I could send you this as a PDF. It's a soaps Bible reading. It's just a simple oh, yeah. process. Yep. And uh, the idea of reading five to seven chapters of the Bible every day, mm. or what's a specific piece you want me to focus on? What does it mm. say? Apply it, prayer, and who will I share this with? And then 
so if that's happening every day as, as regular self-feeding, right. And then the, what's a real bonus in like, if, um, your groups, you're doing like groups of three, three people, right? Yeah. Well, triads are even small, small groups of maybe three or four couples or something like that, but it, it can vary. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to kind of go with the triad thing. Cause that's pretty COVID proof. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, yeah. It, like if they're already in trios, um, like, like, especially if they're the same gender, yeah. um, then, then one of the nice things about that is, is, is men and women can share their internal stuff of the old stuff that God's telling them to put off and the new right. stuff that they need to put on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the groups grow to being, you know, like say, you know, five to nine people and they're mixed genders, they're houses to houses, mm-hmm. then adding an additional piece where people get together for a, a, an accountability group or a life transformation group where they're getting yeah. a little bit deeper into the dark corners where, where God wants to clean cobwebs. Mm-hmm. Out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's a really helpful addition. Yeah. Things. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks, John. Um, any, anything else that you can think of that would be helpful for us uh, as, as far as discovery Bible study method? I mean, we covered a lot of stuff. Is, is there kind of a summary thing that you would, kind of put this in a, in a smaller package and we kind of went all over the place. Yeah. Um, As you've gotten the instruction about how to do discovery Bible study, you've got the formula on your page. Mm -hmm. First step is imitate that for a good long while. Right. Like three, four, five months. Mm. If you want to tweak little things like, tweak how you ask the question or like in the accountability part Mm -hmm. there's the two simple ones you've given there's another idea of of other accountability questions you can ask at the end what's it called uh spec is another option to it Mm. like adapt later don't innovate right away Mm. because you'll end up doing stuff like we did in Prague, where you innovate and go we really don't need the left front tire do we (laughs) <laughs> it's actually pretty important, <laughs> and then you go, yeah you know we really don't need uh the, the winch or, or the roof rack to serve other people and then you realize you've trained your group that you don't need to serve so what you do for the first four weeks right will be incredibly hard to change after so just imitate what's there get the yep. hang of it and stick with it especially the obedience and sharing right and and if you make sure that gets there and, and you hang on to those things and help mm. each other graciously and kindly get through the obedience and sharing, mm. then the thing has the power to pop in a in a new kind of way because that's that's the core of what God wants us to be doing with the knowledge He gives us is to obey it and share it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, li- live it out, just don't know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think James has a bunch to say on that right in the first. <laughs> Chapter, just a little. Pretty, pretty direct he is about that. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk with me today, and it's been great to get to know you a bit better, and your heart for God's mission and His church. And we're going to look forward to to having you here in the future, um, right right here in Gospel Chapel. And uh, thanks for sharing with us what uh, what God's doing in and through uh, His call in your life. So. 
And thanks too for just sharing with us about Discovery Bible Study Method and uh, and some of the the great things that you've experienced with that and uh, and the flexible way that that it is to uh, to really experience God's word in community. Um, and so, yeah, just just thank you for that. How can we uh, how can we pray for you as you head into this new year of of ministry? Oh. Well, uh, it, it's me trying to, there's so much interest in this mm. that's popping up all over the place. Um, and I have the responsibility of, of creating a network of mutual support so that pastors like yourself who are figuring this out can get together and talk with one another. Mm. Uh, this, what's going on and you can discern together. So uh, wisdom in collecting those networks of people who are, are doing this type of thing uh, across Canada um, and so I, I, I'll mention that to you next week. I'm presenting at a church uh, or a ministerial in, in uh, Maple Ridge uh, where there's some pastors that are, 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 are trying to get this going in their churches. So helping set up those networks for people and individuals, please pray for that and mm-hmm. do that well so that people don't slip through the cracks. And the other thing is um, the COVID challenges of traveling. Um, it means I've got a really big trip coming up. Uh, and I'll be on the road for like four weeks, uh, and I may be swinging by your place. So I'll be in touch with you, okay? If there's a chance to pop in and say hello, but but that's hard on me and on the family to be away mm-hmm. for so long. Um, yeah. But COVID constraints are what they are, and we try to flex like water. But we appreciate we appreciate prayer for those those road trips. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, uh, thank you, and. Uh, Can you just maybe close us off in prayer? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Thanks. Wonderful Father in heaven, I thank you for all these connections that you've made and the roots that have gone deep, even in in the the wonderful connection that we have here uh, with this year church over there in Grand Forks. Lord, it's it's really fun uh, to imagine all the saints that you've introduced our family to and that we're going to be celebrating with in eternity in heaven. And we get to partner with an adventure with now. Uh, with all the trials and tribulations you bring along, uh, show us the pathway of how you want us to move forward. All the personal challenges in our life, the ones that are hitting our society, and the ones that may be coming against us as churches, as your servants, Lord, prepare us for challenging times that may be ahead. Uh, and may you may you free people with excitement and joy to dive into this new realm of uh, of becoming resilient disciple makers. And Lord, may you raise up wonderful servants for that region of British Columbia, in that city, and beyond Canada, into far corners of the world, Lord. Uh, Show us where you want to go and who we need to be sharing with. Thank you that we are entrusted with this wonderful message. It's amazing to be your partners, entrusted as ambassadors of of reconciliation. Show us how to do this and and how to be even more reconciled and, and in tune with you. Fill us with the joy of your obedience, Lord. I know it's a promise and it will come. May may this church experience that joy and may they be a wonderful lighthouse to the entire community because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks again, John. Oh, the sun came out shining right in my face. <laughs> I see it. It's like, whoa, it's kind of crazy. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just going to uh, stop the recording there and I'll probably just fade it out after your prayer there. So, 
Well, that was a great conversation I had with John. We covered a lot of ground in that interview, and uh, we're looking forward to doing more interviews like this. In fact, uh, next week I'll be connecting with Ricky and Karen Sanchez and uh, posting that. And then we're going to do some of these interviews, too, uh, with people from our own congregation. I have some of that uh, lined up in the coming months. And so uh, be looking for those, uh, these gospel conversations, just sharing our life and uh, and story about following Jesus and uh, and what God's been doing in our lives. Uh, John mentioned a number of things about the Discovery Bible Study Method, so I'm going to post some links in the description down below. There will be uh, a link to Avant Ministries there, so you can see what uh, Avant does and uh, connect with them there. And also the Discovery Bible Study Method. John mentioned some different reading plans or topical plans uh, that you can use. And so, again, uh, just look down in the description for this video or, or uh, on the podcast uh, description, and those links will be there. All right, well, thank you for tuning in, listening, or watching uh, to Gospel Conversations. Have a great day.